Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. The Puberty Prof Podcast is about providing people the basic skills and knowledge in order to have healthy conversations with young people on puberty and other growing up topics. That is my mission as the Puberty Prof, and I take that seriously. Yet, truth be told, Some people have a thought or a paradigm in which they think talking about these topics that pertain to sexuality, because puberty pertains to that, they have the thought that talking about these topics can be challenging, or actually talking with preteens and teens on a variety of topics, if anything, may seem challenging due to potential conflicts. That is why this episode of the Puberty Prof Podcast is focusing on transforming this paradigm transforming conflict into cooperation, transforming the barriers that exist in honestly communicating with our children in which we create bridges in communication. To help us how to do this, how to figure it out is today's guest, Cynthia Klein, who is the author of Ally Parenting, a non-adversarial approach to transform conflict into cooperation. So thank you so much for being here today, Cynthia. How are you? Wonderful. And it's great to be here, Lori, talking about this uh, very important topic. I'm so appreciative of your, your time today, as well as your knowledge base. Would you tell us a little bit about your background? Yes. Uh, so I'm what's considered a parent educator, or I call myself a family happiness expert. So for the last uh, yeah 29 years, I have worked with parents to help them learn how to communicate in ways that feels respectful with their kids, respectful when they're giving directions and trying to get them to maybe pick up their socks or pick up the towel, and how to have conversations where kids are going to open up. And then what do you do when your kid actually wants to talk about something that's important to them? How do you respond so they're going to keep talking? So I primarily work with parents of five-year-olds all the way up to age 25-year-olds. And my own, I have my own uh, adult daughter and who was part of this whole process of me learning how to, to do this parent education. So I work privately with parents as well as I teach classes for parents who want to have a uh, improved relationship with their kids. There's some conflict going on and they can't, figure out how to speak differently. So I'm a really a language master because words matter and words impact their kids. And in addition to raising your own child, you also, you've gone to schooling for having some information for how to do this. Is that correct? Uh, Yes. So I got my degree in child psychology. Then I went on to be an elementary school teacher. And then I've had training in four different parenting education programs. And then I kind of put together my own program called Ally Parenting. So I I really want, you know, I was trying to think, how do I want to call it? Because too often kids feel like they're 
parents are adversaries, like they're not on their side. And I really want parents to learn how to create relationships with their kids where they feel like the kids feel like ultimately when the end of the day, they can come to their parents or whoever their caregiver is to really get support um, that they need for their life so they can prosper and become more resilient. That's really, that's really wild. And I love the fact that you have an elementary school background mm -hmm. because that has given you an experience of working in with a large group of young people and you yourself. So you even see developmentally what's going on. Would you define for us, what is ally parenting? So an ally as a parent is someone who uses what I call a disciplined parenting approach. So that's based on mutual respect. It's based on parents self-reflecting, thinking about what their actions are and how it's impacting the child, and really trying to build a sense of connection and communication where children feel respected and parents feel respected and they have an opportunity to work together. And like I said, at the end of the day, like my daughter, as she was growing up and had her challenges, she knew she could call us when things were really tough, that we knew how to listen, we knew how to support her. I got many, many uh, cards from her about being there for the ups and downs in her of her life. So that's what I really want. I wanna teach parents how to create like a peace in their home, which is based on mutual respect and understanding of each other. And to me, that's a dream of a lot of parents and other caregivers in which they hope that if their child has some experience, they can turn to their parent or caregiver for support. Yet, some stuff happens and sometimes we as adults might react. But you have this thought of, well, let's have this bridges to understanding. And can you tell a little bit more about that concept and how it can be applied to families with preteens? Yeah, so my own daughter, like I said, is a young adult and had some very challenging times. So I've had to be able to put into practice as well as coaching other parents what it is. So it's really, um, I think of it in terms of a parent being able to self-reflect and look at they change themselves first. That's where the relationship changed because there's like this think, feel, do cycle. The parent, you know, the, the child does something, teenager does something, and you react. When you're reacting, you're not, you're, you're coming from an emotional state. So I really want to help parents learn how to think differently about their kids. Because what happens, parent gets stuck on thinking that their kid's out against them. They're being disrespectful. How can they do this? So they become quite self-absorbed, actually. Parents don't think of themselves as that, but they kind of start to think it's about them. So I really want to help parents think about their child. What does their child need? What is their child going through? So the developmental stage, you know, you you talk about is a very uh, challenging time, right? They're not only going through changes physically, but they're also going through emotional changes about what do they think about themselves. So I really help parents think about their thinking, like. Can you change instead of thinking, oh, my child's just trying to do that. They're just trying to be annoying. They aren't listening to, okay, maybe I need to guide them to pick up the towel. Maybe I need to do gentle reminders, like to really try to be on the side of their child and see if you think of yourself as a, a guiding 
uh, educator rather than using any kind of punishment or force to try to control your children. It's like thinking, how do I influence them instead of trying to control them really shifts parents' perspective and then the strategies that they use with their kids. Do you mind sharing some different strategies and techniques for parents and other caregivers for sure. how to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, there's three main categories where I think you're interacting with your kids other than when you're out having fun. There's times that you need to give directions because they just don't want to do something. Okay. They don't want to take out the trash. They don't want to walk the dog. They don't want to clean up after the dog. <clears throat> That's called the director role. So when you're a director, it's important to be very clear and concise and just stick to the directions. So instead of saying, okay, how many times do I have to remind you to take out the trash? Don't you see that? It's there, it's overflowing. You know, look, you know, look at what's going on. All of that is all shaming language. So that you're trying to get the child to comply, but you're adding on a lot of hurt to it. So what happens is that gradually, year after year, that builds up this resentment. So that when things are really hard for the kid, they don't feel like they can come to you and talk to you. Okay, so instead I teach parents to be very clear, like it's time to take out the trash. And if the kid complains, I don't wanna do that. It's time for the trash. Why do I have to do that? Now, this is all based on you've already had a discussion about who's going to do what chores. That's really important to have that discussion already. And then you just stick to it. After you take out the trash, then you can be on your phone. So some very respectful, non-shaming directives. And if you have to repeat them, it's easy. You just say fewer words. <laughs> you know, trash first. Trash. And I'll tell you, it works. And when you're not engaged in arguing with the kid and shaming them and making them trying to feel bad, then they respond. It is amazing. Um, the after then is one of my favorite ones, which is the work before play strategy. So, for example, let's say you want your kid to um, clean the bathroom. That was one of my daughter's chores. And of course, they want to go to a friend's house. Can I go to a friend's house? And I would think, okay. Um, wait a minute, what hasn't she done yet? <laughs> she hasn't cleaned the bathroom yet. So I would pull out the after then. After you clean the bathroom, then you can go to Patty's house. Of course, she'd complain. You, you assume they're going to complain. Just know that. Don't be bothered by it. Just, it's, it's accepted. Um, why do I have to, you know, why didn't you tell me sooner? They try to blame you, right? after the bathroom, then you can go. So I ignore, you ignore all of that negativity coming at you. But I can't, bathroom first, and it always worked. So I, so that's the, the thing, when you give a directive, stick simply to what's to be done, don't engage in arguing, don't defend yourself, don't put your child down. That's so important. We're, Throughout time, it's been our discipline has actually been more punishment based, which is let me make my child feel bad, then they're going to do better. Like we know that doesn't work now, right? And I would think how this carries over to the topic of sexuality, if we're having 
conversations with kids or at kids where they're feeling poorly, it will stop all communication about anything for sexuality, whether it be about puberty changes, about identity, romantic feelings. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So yes, when you're when you have this negative relationship, when your kids feel like you've been shaming them, they actually feel like you don't um, value them and value their thoughts and your their feelings and their opinions. And so that's going to make it really hard for them to trust you. So that that shaming breaks the trust. Uh, I, I work with parents and by the, now their kids are teenagers and it has been built up and the kids don't talk to them anymore and the kids become quite surly towards them. Um, there is a way I help them undo this, but it is not easy to do. So you want to start out with giving directions that feel respectful and and it's, it's really wonderful when you do you feel good about yourself. Yeah, And then there's times when you want to have collaborative discussions, which are so important, like like contributing to the household. Who's going to do what? That's called collaborative role. And that I teach parents, how do you actually listen and get and hear ideas? How do you come up with a plan? Can you, you know, the feeling like everybody coming together and let's write down all of the things that need to be done and then it's amazing like who's buying the groceries who's unpacking the groceries so you go through this discussion about all the different things now let's face it as adults we by now have that mature um, attitude of taking care of things right being responsible but kids don't they're all focused on themselves right like and so don't expect that your kids are going to want to do chores. Just know that they're not going to want to. And, and don't put them down for it. I think that's really important. <laughs> Just And so I teach parents, how do you have collaborative discussions? So one of the things that I teach is, is called communication blocks. And this applies to also the third role. So I've talked about director, then you've got collaborator coming together. The third role is a supporter. This is when your teenager, your child brings up issues that they're concerned about. And how you respond determines whether they're gonna keep talking to you or not. And I would think that with sexuality, including asking about simple things like um, periods uh, with wet dreams, that there might be some communication blocks because of how a parent or other caregiver was, was modeled for what they were taught. And then how do we support it if it wasn't modeled for us? Yes, right. And so that's a really good point that parents, to me, need education and how to parent if they want to parent different from how they were parented. It's just any other subject. So like I said earlier, I had training in four different parenting education models. Like I really wanted to be able to have a great relationship with a teenage daughter because I didn't have it with my mother. And I knew what doesn't just spontaneously come. Some people think, oh, if you love your child, you know, no, it's a skill. It's like, any other skill right throughout time is passed down 
right? From parent to child, parent to child, how to parent. And now we're at this point of going, wait a minute, has that been the best way of parenting? Is our world the way we want it to be? Hmm, maybe there needs to be some changes. Because basically it's been pretty much punishment-based. You know, if you do something wrong, you suffer. And if you suffer, then you learn, which we know psychologically doesn't work. So communication blocks, and I have a, actually in my book, Ally Parenting, I have a list of 10 of them. I have a wonderful chart. I'm, I'm oh, really neat. into charts. Isn't this great? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. When a child says something like, I, you know, let's say they are saying, you know, I'm wondering about this guy that I'm interested in or this girl that I'm interested in. I'm kind of thinking about this person. Okay, so how you respond will determine whether they keep talking or not, right? Or maybe it's a friendship issue they're having trouble with. Um, so one of the, the and, and the thing is, you, what I love that you said earlier is it's our modeling, right? How we were raised. So my parents did not know how to listen at all, zip. Okay, so I knew that I had to better learn this and I got training on these blocks from Michael Popkin. And so here's the first, here's one of them is called giving advice. <laughs> How many parents do you know who would automatically jump in and give advice, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when you give advice, the underlying message is that you know more about it than your child does. Now, granted, you might. However, if you're trying to get a person to talk about, like I said about, I'm interested in this person, I'm interested in this guy. If you want them to talk more, if you start giving advice, that's kind of taking away their opportunity to talk more about what's going on. Because the more we talk with a good listener, the more we can process, the more your child can think about what they're thinking and process it and understand it more. So that's really, really important. So the prefrontal cortex, the reasoning part of the brain, um, doesn't get really developed around mid-20s. So you've got when you've got these teenagers or preteen, they've got a long ways to develop their thinking, reasoning, judgment, logic part of their brain. So we really want to give them opportunities to express themselves. Um, another one is if you ask questions, in a way that feels like interrogation. That will shut them down as well, because the, the message is kind of like you've done something wrong. So if you start bulleting them with questions, like if, if I said to you, Lori, oh, and you know, you're my parent, like, you know, I'm really thinking about this guy and I'm really, um, you know, I kind of like him. It, what would be some, a question that you might want to ask me like that? instinctively i would think that sometimes a parent or caregiver might be like okay is this person at school uh what is their family like yet i would like to know more as a from my training and my experience i would like to know from well tell me more about the person and tell me what it is that you like you know tell me more 
And so when you're responding with a non-judgmental attitude, I think that's what's so crucial, right? So when your child knows that whatever they say, you're not going to judge them. So often when there's a lot of questions, it can feel like the underlying message is you've done something wrong and I need to get to the bottom of it and I need to fix it. And I might need to give tell you what to do. So an, another response is even if you, they say, say, I'm really interested in this guy or this girl to say, huh, that's interesting. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. you can even just like, let them know you're there. You're not analyzing them. You're not asking them questions. You're giving them space to talk. And I had many experiences with my own daughter doing this when she was upset with something, when she was living away from home, she would call. And I, one of the things I teach parents is when they stop locking, so I've talked about two, um, the interrogating, giving advice, and instead respond with what I call empathetic phrases. So empathetic phrase is simply something to say that keeps the person talking and this is so unusual when i learned about this when i had some training on emotions i was like whoa because i never had anybody listen to my emotions so if you don't if you never had anyone listen to your emotions growing up this is really hard you have to very consciously say okay i'm going to use an empathetic phrase such as um like i just gave one even oh that's interesting or huh that's that seems wow that's that sounds kind of exciting or that seems like that could be um kind of challenging so i'm tentatively saying sounds like seems like so you notice i'm not directly saying oh you are i'm Mm -hmm. kind of just pulling out something, oh, that seems, that's interesting, or wow, that could be hard. And I'm talking right now like a thinker, like my child's a thinker. That can be hard. Notice I'm not saying you, I'm saying that can be. So my daughter's more of a thinker than a feeler. She's in business and that kind of more her mindset. So if you have a child who likes their feelings talked about, well, you, you you seem, you seem kind of excited about that. Notice I say you, again, I use a tentative word, seem, or it looks, or you, you look like you're pretty kind of um, anxious about that, or you seem like maybe you're kind of worried. So those are more for a feeler type child. Look at all the stuff you have to think about, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> ah, what do I say? So you said you have this chart in your book. And can you tell us a little bit more about your book? Because it's going to include, yeah, I see that you're showing me through the Zoom right now. That looks like a really neat chart. And I love charts myself. Would you tell us a little bit more about your book? Yes. Um, So I had been doing one-on-one coaching for, gosh, 25 years. And I was giving handouts because I'm a teacher, right? That's why I got my degree in psychology. I went on and got my elementary school teaching credential. I didn't want to be a therapist. I'm a teacher. 
And so I would make up handouts and I've done a lot of speaking. I've done over 600 talks at schools and such. I love doing speaking. And so then they started saying, well, when are you going to write your book? And I was like, oh, I hadn't planned on writing a book. But anyways, it was from need that I wrote the book. And so the book is um, really talks about the three different roles I've been talking about, the director, the collaborator, and the supporter. And it's very organized, like, and very short chapters, (laughs) because I work with as many men as women. Um, So it's very, it helps parents understand the emotional piece, like I've been talking about, and why we listen to emotions, which is so important, and what to say, like I gave you a couple examples of some empathy. So it gives them very concrete ways of thinking differently. That's a big thing. Shift the thinking from adversarial thinking to more flexible thinking, thinking in terms of being your child's ally. Well, what's going, what is my child going through? How can I understand them? And, and I talk about language and like these blocks. And I talk about how do you actually have collaborative discussions with your kids? Um, How do you make a plan? How do you do a family meeting? Like very much how to, and then how are you really supporting them? How are you listening to them? What are some exact things you can say? Because that's what my clients wanted. So it's exactly what they wanted. (laughs) And very clear, right, very clear, concise. Like I have a chapter about strong-willed kids. Um, Boy, because that's what I had. What don't you say to a strong-willed child? Wouldn't you like to know that? What words don't work, right? Um, So it's very clear, very concise, short chapters. There's not a bunch of fluff. There's not a bunch of philosophy. There's like how to, and I'm very proud of it. I have some images in it, some pictures. I talk about goals of behavior. And the last thing I wanna say, I give a step-by-step process of how you figure out what the problem is. How do you analyze a problem? So then once you analyze it, like what role should I play? What is my child's goal? What am I thinking that's causing problems? Yay. What can I think instead? Like you take control. What blocks am I using? How can I use empathy instead? You start to analyze a problem then I give you how to go through, how to do director role strategies. I give you a whole bunch of those, how to collaborate. So it's very much hands-on how to, um, how to analyze it and what to do instead. And I've used this with so many parents, they find it extremely helpful, hands-on. You don't muddle through a whole bunch of pages to finally get to the, the good stuff. You get to the good stuff at the start. So I, I'm very proud of my book, Ally Parenting. And it was like thinking of how, why do I, how do I call my book, right? Everybody talks about book titles and how important they are. And it was really the sense of, I wanted parents to be able to act in a way that their children will come to them when the times are really dark. And I'll tell you, my daughter moved to Southern California. I'm in Northern California and she's married and she wants us to move down there to be near her. So. To me, that's the final chapter saying, yes, I must have done something right, that she wants us to be near her. 
That's wonderful. That really is. And I am going to make sure there's a link for your book in today's description. And there's also, you had supplied something. Uh, I have a clarity page. There's going to be a link for that. What is that about? So a fast track clarity is, it's actually a session. There's a session that I give a 45 minutes free session for anyone who wants to talk to me about what their challenges are they're having. If they're considering having a one-on-one -on -one coaching with me that Excellent. I'd like to hear what's going on. And I'd like to, yeah, because it's good to reach out for help. Don't keep floundering, please. It's not, there's no need to. There's a lot of great experts out there and I consider myself one of them. I, I agree with you because the terms that you use, like the empathetic listening, that's actually something we do in the health classroom. We try to train young people and how to be a stronger, healthier friend. And that is not judging, uh, limiting the advice because often we just want to talk and express ourselves and talk out loud. Um, is there a way for people can get in touch with you because I'm going to put the link for your book. I'm going to have that clarity page, but would it be allyparenting.com? That's how they can get in That's touch That's fine. With you? Yes. Yes. That will go to my, I have a website, Bridges to Understanding, but Ally Parenting will go directly to that website and you can read about me and my different programs and different coaching and yes. And then sign up for my newsletter. I do a weekly wonderful newsletter. I give guidance each week. So when you go to my website, you'll see on the side there, you know, get a free chapter of Cynthia's book and get her newsletter. And that is the way that then you can get to know me Excellent. and know my philosophy. And if it resonates with you, then we can go further. Great. And is there anything else you'd like to say before we leave today? I think that the world, we can really create more peace by each one of us looking at ourselves and how can we, what can we do differently? How can we contribute more in our family? How can we personally grow and see it as a strength when you introspect and you grow? It's not a weakness. Take away, you should know how to parent. So let's take that away. Let's just say each one of us can learn. I had a lot of training. <laughs> to be where I am with my daughter. And when you get the training, you're gonna ha have great amount of pride and your kids are gonna love it. Your kids are gonna love that you're getting parenting support. They're not gonna say, oh, why are you doing that? They're gonna say, oh, you're acting nicer. <laughs> and I like that. What a lovely way to end because it is about introspection, seeing how we can improve ourselves and recognizing we're doing the best we can with the tools that we've been provided. So if we want to grow, to get more tools like your book, Ally Parenting. Yes. Well, thank you again, Cynthia, so much for being here today. And to our listeners, I thank you so much for listening in. Please go to those links to find out more information about Cynthia Klein and to connect with her to say, see if maybe she can help you and your family relationships at, in your house. And again, I thank you for listening. I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
You can also follow The Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.